We good? A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. We begin today by praising the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who is the topic of our discussion today, which is part three of the Mi'raj. And this is just um, a brief version on the Isra' Mi'raj. We've covered it on three different days, but in a very uh, brief and traditional fashion, meaning that simply passing on the what is the traditional um, uh, uh, narrations on uh, that accepted narrations about this. And we did some analysis yesterday. Uh, or some contemplation, I should say, on what exactly was the uh, wisdom of these prophets and their connection to the Messenger Sallallahu in relation to the experience which was happening to the Prophet Sallallahu in terms of the strife and the persecution in the city of Mecca. And uh, I think that you know, if you, if you go back and you watch that, it'll be really striking the the connections that he has with each of those specific prophets in relation to his life. Uh, that was ha- what was happening in Mecca at that time. And uh, w- I want to suggest you all go to MeccaBooks.com and get the book on the Isra'i Mi'raj by Sayyid Muhammad Al-Alawi Al-Maliki. I love the Sayyid so much. Sayyid Muhammad Al-Alawi Al-Maliki, alayhi rahmatullah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him Jannat Al-Firdaus. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make him a, 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 uh, a shafia for his family. Because he was someone who loved the deen and he was somebody who loved the Prophet ﷺ, and he's someone who sacrificed his life for the Messenger, peace be upon him, uh, for, the, for the cause of clarifying matters related to what he called all matters related to the Messenger. Some people, their specialty is tafsir, some people, their specialty is fiqh, some people, aqidah. Sayyid Muhammad Ali al Maliki is what he called al ulum al nabawiyya. Everything related to the Prophet, and of course, it's the essence of it is a hadith because he, 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 all of his istidlal is through a hadith. And not only just matters related to the Prophet, but, but this concept of the nearness and, and what does it mean that a Muslim is connected to his Prophet, peace be upon him. We do believe in that, a concept of connection to the Prophet, and the proof of that is that your ibadah is not even accepted unless it's in line with the sunnah. We know that, right? So on that respect, we know that in fiqh, we know that we have to be connected to the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ. But what does it mean to be connected with our heart to the Prophet ﷺ? Wallahu wa rasuluhu ahaqqu an yurudu. And what is the way of the Sahaba? They love the Prophet, peace be upon him. Right? They love the Messenger, peace be upon him. That's what was their driving force. They believed in him. They loved him. And for us, when we're so far away from something, we'll never have a direct experience the way that we inculcate that experience within ourselves is constant non-stop dhikr uh, and uh, fikr, uh, remembrance and knowledge. And that's why we're here. We're going to talk about one of the greatest, mo- the greatest moment that happened to the, to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that was his meeting with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala after passing by the seventh heaven and meeting Sayyidina Ibrahim Alayhi Salam, who was in one narration standing with his back leaning on what's called al-bayt al-ma'mur which is the kaaba of the seventh heaven and another narration sitting on a throne okay and then surrounded by children the children of the believers when a believing child dies from the believing children of the bani israel and the muslims because he is abu al-anbiya okay? and his children 
produced the Beni Israel and his other grandson, Sayyidin, or his other son, Sayyidin Ishaq, his first son. That grandson, of course, was Sayyid al Kone, the Prophet Muhammad. So he is the father of the lineage of the Prophet and the lineage of the Bani Israel. Hence, he's called Abu al Anbiya. Is he the father of all prophets? No, because there were prophets sent to other nations that were not connected to the Abrahamic lineage. And there were prophets sent, of course, obviously before Prophet Ibrahim. So when we say Abu al Anbiya, father of prophets, we mean father of most prophets. I'm telling you, Dhikr al Anbiya, it's a healing, it's a cure for our hearts. It's a cure for everything bad that happens to us. So now let's look at when the Prophet ﷺ passed, he reached Sidrat al-Muntaha and he heard Sarif al-Aqlam, which means the destiny being written. What does it mean, destiny being written? Isn't destiny already written? Isn't there another hadith that said that the pen has been lifted and the pages have been dry? Yes, there are two books of destiny. There is Umm al-Kitab, which is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That nobody has access to. And that is the final say of what happens in the real world. But so in order to, to give us a feeling of mercy and rahmah, that there is another book. Okay. And, and, and we learn so much from this and we have motivation to do things in this. There is another book. And that's the book that prophets and angels, they have access to. And that's called the Loh al-Mahfuz. That Loh al-Mahfuz this is Quran. Allah can erase what He wishes and He can keep what He wishes. And with Him is Umm al Kitab. Umm al Kitab being that book in which nothing is ever changed from it. It is as it is. Allah al Mahfud can be changed. Allah al Mahfud, what's in it? is based upon deeds, it's based upon dua, it's based upon factors, and it can be changed. So what can change it? Dua. And that's why speaking to Allah and connection to Allah, you don't underestimate it. You are speaking to the king, and he's merciful, and he wants to give. Listen to this amazing story, which has no senate amongst the Muslims, but the scholars have said its meaning is sound. It has no senate does not mean it's a fabrication. It's from the stories of the Bani Israel, that we don't have a chain, but it's been said and it's been written and it's been talked about. And this is a story of a woman from Bani Yisra'il in the time of Sayyidina Musa, alayhi salam. This woman, she wanted what any person and woman would want. She wants to have a baby. She has a husband. She's been living. She sees other babies and she sees other kids and she has the natural instinct. She wants to have a baby. So she started asking Allah, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, give me a baby. Then he went to Sayyidina Musa She went to Sayyidina Musa. Sayyidina Musa says, Kalimullah. She, this is her chance to have a one-on-one -on -one with the Prophet Musa. Just because Prophet Musa lived at that time doesn't mean everyone had a one-on-one -on -one with him. There were tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in Bani Israel. This is a massive tribe. You know, not everyone has a chance to talk to the Prophet, the messenger at the time. And so her, her senate right now is from is right from Prophet Musa. He's going to speak directly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She's like, this is it. It's going to happen. She says, oh, Musa, salam, ask Allah to give me a child. And this is Prophet Musa, salam. his dua is accepted, right? He walks away. And she's khalas, like, this is it. We got it. He says, oh, Allah, this lady asks, wants a baby. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya Musa, inni katabtuha aqima. O Musa, I have destined that she's barren. Sayyidina Musa went back, unfortunately, denies, request has been denied. Allah says, your destiny is to be barren. Then the woman gets so upset. She was just devastated. She went back. Some period of time later, months later, lo and behold, it's the woman again. She says, oh Musa, go back to Allah. Go ask Allah Ta'ala for a, give me a baby. Musa says, Allah says, he wrote you barren. The pages just dried up. It's written, khalas. He went back in. She says, please, go back. She goes back. Uh, Sayyidina Musa goes back. He goes, comes back, and he says, and Allah says to him, Ya Musa, inni ketabtuha aqima. Same words. Oh Moses, I have destined that she is barren. She's a barren woman. She's not going to have babies. He goes back and he gives her the, the difficult news. You're a barren. You're never going to have a baby. Who said this? A doctor? No. A dream? No. A, a sorcerer? A wizard? What source of knowledge is this? This is the highest source of knowledge you can ever get. It is a, it is a hadith with three links in it. And the hadith ends with Allah himself speaking to his messenger Moses, to the woman. There can be no doubt at all in this piece of knowledge. You are barren. There's no doubt at all. It's never going to happen. Sayyidina Musa sees her one year later, nursing a baby. He says, oh, woman, he walks through everybody. Aren't you the woman? You asked me for a baby, to ask Allah for a baby. And I said that Allah wrote you that you're barren? He says, yes. And you came back sometime later and you asked again and I told you that Allah says, yeah, Musa, I have written her to be barren. She said, yes. So then whose baby is this? She said, it's my baby. Allah answered me. He said, how? She said, no, I would not spend a moment of my breath except, except saying, Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin, Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin, Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin. Musa walked away and he said, oh Allah, what happened? You said, it's been written that she's aqim. She's barren. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, her constant and non-stop repetition of Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin, Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin, Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin has outweighed the previous destiny. And I gave her what she asked for. What's the purpose of this story? I talked to my fiqh teacher who's very conservative and strict in aqidah and fiqh. I said, Sheikh, tell me about this story. He says the meaning is 100% sound. Even though it has no senate, we don't say it's fabricated either. Has no that fabrication has its rules. That means someone in the chain is a known liar, okay, or that the person admitted he's a fabricator. Same thing. But this is just has no senate. So he says it's a story has no senate, but the meaning is one hundred percent sound. Based upon the shahid within the Sahih Hadith that says la yaruddul qada illa dua. Nothing turns away divine decree except dua. It alters. And that's why there is a law al-mahfud so Allah can show his rahmah to the humans and to the angels and to give us a motivation and never to make us feel locked. So her constant and non-stop saying of Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin, Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin, Ya Arham Ar-Rahimin, it caused 
that destiny of her being barren to be wiped away. You're dealing with Allah Ta'ala is very kind. We have an extremely kind Lord because he gets nothing out of us. This is not a business transaction that he wants something from us so that when he gets something or when he has the ability to get something, he'll never give it up like a businessman. It's all Ata anyway. That's why the Prophet said, whoever looks up to the heavens, in one narration says, looks up to the heavens. In another narration, it doesn't even say that. In one narration says three times, another narration says four times. And he says, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, the gates of the heavens open for him. If a, had this woman refused to stop, and Allah gave her what he, she wanted because of her iman. She had iman and she, she had persistence and she had determination. So, when we talk about Sarif al-Aqlam, what does it mean that the Prophet heard the writing of the pen? Because it, that shows to us that people's destiny is constantly being updated. Yes, Allah knows the final version. But within this life, it's being updated. Nisf of Sha'ban comes. When we study the Nisf of Sha'ban, you're going to see that it says in the, about the Nisf of Sha'ban that the destinies for the previous year are altered and adjusted and written based upon the actions of the previous year. The actions of the next year are written and altered and adjusted based upon your behavior in the previous year and your prayers and other people's prayers for you or against you because someone may make dua against you. Not everyone's prayer against you you have to worry about. Someone makes dua against you for no reason, it's rejected. Okay, Someone who makes dua against you for a reason, you should be worried about that. So that's what he heard, the Prophet ﷺ, the decrees being. Then he saw what it means for the decree. And that is the lot tree. The lot tree was a massive tree. The Prophet Sallallahu said the leaves of the tree were like the size of the, the ears of elephants, meaning massive. And he said the colors that it had cannot be described, that there were colors that we have no reference to. So we think that we see all the colors. No, when we see the colors, that uh, the spectrum of colors, that's only what our eyes can handle, which is an amazing thing. Because we think that that's it. That's what we think. Right In the same way that how far can you see? Right? You can only see up to a, a limit. That's because your tool, this tool has limits. The eye has limits in this world. And when the next world, when it's rectified for the next world, its limits are expanded. So it can see colors that it doesn't have. And every time a decree comes down, that to a person, the color of his leaf changes. If he gets sick, it becomes yellow. If he dies, it falls. So a reflection of the aqdar is in Sidrat al-Muntaha. It's a reflection of the aqdar. Okay? Mind you, some of these narrations are sahih and others are weak, but the, this, as a story, it's something that we can tell. Okay? So he sees this Sidrat al-Muntaha in which إِذَا قَدَ اللَّهُ أَمْرًا تَغَيَّرَتْ Siyuti's book on Isra al-Mi'raj narrates the hadith. If Allah wills a commandment, the tree is altered. So the tree is a reflection of the Qada and the Qadr. Imagine the entire world with all of its happenings, every single human being's comings and goings, doings and, and not doings, is reflected by a color and a movement of a tree. How massive is the tree going to be? How many colors is it going to be? How much constant alteration is happening? It's nonstop alteration. And then it's almost as if that there's some kind of connection between that and then the, uh, the 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 roots of that tree and down into the actions of this world and allahu alam 
Then the Prophet ﷺ was drawn near to a point where Sayyidina Jibreel ﷺ says, I stop here, you keep going. The Prophet looked at Sayyidina Jibreel. He said, if I keep going, I get burned. And if you keep going, you'll be admitted. Now look at the spiritual state here. In the beginning of messengership, the Prophet ﷺ, it felt that receiving the first revelation was going to kill him. That Sayyidina Jibreel, was, his squeeze was so tight that it was almost as if he was going to be killed. So just the revelation. That was the difference in the spiritual strength of Sayyidina Jibreel and the Prophet ﷺ. Now the Prophet ﷺ, we have in terms of aqidah the word suluhi, which means the destiny. Someone's destinies. What's someone's destined rank to be at or something else. And then, but how it happens is called tanjizi, which means it happens gradually over time. So is it, aren't we destined to have nighttime today? We can say for sure there's going to be nighttime today. How can we say that for sure? Well, because the end of time isn't coming yet. There are promises of the Prophet ﷺ that haven't happened. There are promises of the, in the Quran, such as the return of Sayyidina Isa, that haven't happened yet. So we note that tomorrow is going to come. The day of judgment will not be this Friday, okay? Because the signs haven't happened yet, and we believe in those signs and and they're fact to us. Of our epistemology, the Quran is the number one fact, source of truth. So, but it's not going to come immediately, isn't it? Going to come gradually? Of course, it's got to go sunset, and then it's going to get dark, and then etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's Tanjizi. So the Prophet says, Maqam is destined to be the greatest of Allah's creation, but it doesn't happen just like that. It happens gradually over time. So we can see the messenger, peace be upon him, in the beginning of the revelation, his, 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 his heart was only difficult with difficulty taking on the first verses of Iqra. But now, fast forward, less than a, you know, about 10 or 12 or 13 years later, and now the Prophet his, his, his ability, his capacity, is greater than the capacity of Jibreel. Jibreel the weight of this of uh, of being at that nearness okay, in the heavens was so much on him that he was coiled. He was coiled up in his wings. That's how much the weight was. Yet the Prophet continued to walk and he passed by. He passed him. Two bows length or nearer. And when Allah Ta'ala or oftentimes means rather. Because Allah Ta'ala doesn't have a lack of knowledge. So if I say two or three inches, or three inches or less than that, if I was to say that, it's because I don't know. Humans, we don't know. But when Allah says something or something else, okay, on a specific measure, not conditional to some other action, then it means rather. And it's the latter. It means two bows length, rather, near. Okay? Just like it says about the Prophet, if the Prophet is dies or is killed. No, it's if the Prophet dies, rather he will be killed. And the Prophet was killed. He's a martyr, Prophet by the little bit of poison that a woman gave in Khaybar. Okay, this is in the hadith. Many people don't know this, but it's in the hadith. So there he received his 50 prayers from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it is found in the books of Tafsir, Al Qurtubi. And otherwise, that the tahiyyat and the tashahud that we recite is in fact the words of the Prophet to Allah 
the greeting of the Prophet to Allah, then Allah's salam upon the Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Prophet's reception of that salam and honoring it by repeating it and then spreading it to the believers. The Prophet said, As-salamu alayna, meaning we have accepted this salam by emphasizing it. Because if I said, As-salamu alayka, and then he said, Wa it's as it's not polite. It's as if saying, well, you forgot them, or it's as if saying, I'll pass it on. No, he's accepting it. As-salamu alayna. And on the righteous servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet greeted Allah. That takes a lot of knowledge. You, you, you wouldn't know what to say. And we never say, As-salamu alayka. Why? Because Allah is As-salam. Allahumma anta salam minka salam. So he doesn't need salam. So he said our greetings and all of our prayers and everything pure from us. Tahiyyatu lillah, zakiyatu lillah, salawatu wa tayyibatu lillah. Then Allah says, As-salamu alayka ayyuhu nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And Prophet says, As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillah as-salihin. Shadwan la ilaha illallah wa ahdawna sharika la. Shadwan muhammadan abduhu rasooluh. So the Prophet sallallahu did he see Allah? There's a difference of opinion of the ulama and of the sahaba from the time of the sahaba that he saw Allah. He saw Allah with his heart. He saw Allah. He did not see Allah. And what is meant that what he saw is Jibreel alayhi salam. And that was the fatwa of Sayyidah Aisha and the fatwa of Sayyidina Imam, Al-Imam Malik, as narrated by Qadi Ayyad in As-Siyuti's book on Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. There the Prophet sallallahu received what's most important. This is what's most important, that Allah gave him 50 prayers. These 50 prayers, why would Allah give him 50 prayers? Then the Prophet goes to Sayyidina Musa and he asks for, he says, go get a decrease. Then the Prophet gets it to 40. Then he gets a decrease. And then he gets it to 30. Then ask for another decrease, then 20. So how many times has it gone down? To 40, to 30, to 20, then to 10, then to 5. Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who honors this messenger so much, make this happen that the Prophet goes down and up five times? There are so many wisdoms in this. The first wisdom is that the Prophet, by giving us 50 prayers, Allah is showing us how much he wants us to pray to him. And to ask of him, what is salah? It's dua. What is our relationship with Allah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am your creator, therefore it is your right to ask of me. As-salah is dua. Al-ibadah is dua. It is to ask Allah ta'ala and not to be arrogant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, pray to me, ask me. Though Verily those who are too arrogant to worship me. So Allah basically saying, ibadah is dua. There's nothing in du'a that is, the, every every facet of ibadah, of worship, is in du'a. And that's why when a person approaches their salah, there must be something between you and Allah Ta'ala that you are asking of Him. Otherwise, it's arrogance. Even if you say, no, everything's good, I don't need anything. Well, don't you need to be sustained? You could lose everything, right? And don't you need to give gratitude? You want to just be a taker? Some people are like this. You see them, they call you, they're taking something. You see their number on your phone, they want something. You want to be that? By the way, if you are with Allah, that's good. If all you are is a taker with Allah Ta'ala, that's good. Because it shows that you believe. And you have humility to ask. But anyone with any sense will realize we should be grateful. Some people think gratitude, it's a waste of time. I want. Well, what does Allah say to, 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 to motivate you to do this? If you're thankful, I'll give you more. So even your gratitude is taking. Even our shukr, it's taking. Right? 
So now I, I, I'm, if I'm a capitalist, I want to be grateful. If I'm a capitalist, all I want is for myself. I want increase for myself, spiritually, materially, whatever you want. Then I don't need, I, I don't want to waste time being grateful. I want to be asking. And so Allah Ta'ala even plays to this motivation in the human being by saying, if you're grateful, I give you even more. And don't confuse gratefulness with not expanding. No, you can be continuously receiving and asking while being grateful at the same time. I'm grateful for what I have and I ask Allah for increase. So it shows that how much Allah loves for us to speak to him. And that he refused, he did not want to relinquish these 50 prayers. Because if he did, it would give us a sense that, okay, he doesn't really care to talk to us. 50 down to five right away. If a guy, he said, look, this house is going for a million dollars. And someone says, oh, come on, give it to me for, for 250. He said, all right, take it for 250. What does that tell you? He doesn't care about the house or the money. How could you go from a million to 250 right away like this? But Allah Ta'ala so loves the human being, he did not want to relinquish this 50 prayers except only 10 at a time. It's like negotiating from a million to 250 by going 100 grand at a time, 900, 800, 700K, 600K, et cetera, et cetera. Showing that there is a great love for Allah and there's a great love for these prayers from human beings. Second wisdom, before we open it up to Q&A, we're going to have a short Q&A today. Second wisdom is that Allah loved his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If he had 50 prayers and that's it, oh, decrease it, all right, five, then the Prophet would have only went back up to Allah once. And yet Allah's love for his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is that he wanted him to come back. He willed for him to come back. Who inspired Sayyidina Musa with the thought to say to the Prophet, go back? Isn't that Allah who inspired Sayyidina Musa? So Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam comes back to, sends Prophet back, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is too is from Allah's will so that the Prophet could come back again. It shows how much Allah loves the Messenger because the Prophet is not going back and forth, back and forth to nothing. He's going back to the Hadra of Allah where Allah is manifesting his speech to him. That is the location in which Allah is manifesting his speech to him and not a location of his essence or for his essence has no location because it is not something of physical nature to have a location. That is where the manifestation of his speech came to the Prophet And so this concept and this idea of the 50 prayers, you may think, why 50? Because Allah loves to talk to you. And so take advantage of this and turn to Allah, especially on this beautiful night, this beautiful night of Thursday that is coming upon us. The Eid for Muslims every week is Thursday night all the way until Friday Maghrib. Why? Because this is the time when the gates of heaven are open more than any other 24-hour period in the week. Take, take advantage. Let's open it here. And uh, that's what we'll cover in the Mi'raj. One more little thing. The rakas that we ended up with are, of course, five prayers, each one worth 10. So it's 50 rewards. So the, re the prayers were decreased, but the reward was never decreased. That's the sign of the generous. Al-Kareem, the generous. His reward never decreased. It promised us that he would he, he would he willed for us 50 prayers. That's 50 rewards. The obligation was decreased, but the reward remains the same. If you count the raka'at by raka, 
if you add up the fard and the nawafil, then we get 50 rakas. How 17 of the obligatory rakas, then two before fajr, two of duha, four before dhuhr, four after dhuhr, four before asr, six after maghrib, and a the night prayers of the Prophet were 11 rakas. Okay. 10, uh, ten rakas or eight rakas and then shafa and witta, that's 11 rakas. If you add up all what I just said, it's 50 rakat. If a person did all of their nawafil for the day. And of course, witr, the one raka at the end is a sunnah mu'akkada, and the two rakas of fajr is a um, raghiba. It's a raghiba, slight, slightly stronger than a nafila. The rest are all nawafil, but if you add them all and you do them all, then they are 50 rakat. All right, let's let's stop. And uh, to re uh, today we're only taking questions on the Isra and Mi'raj. We did the Isra yesterday, two days ago. Then we did the first part of the Mi'raj yesterday and the second part of the Mi'raj today. That's three videos in a row. And we're not claiming that we covered everything, but we did cover the the bulk and we did a little bit of uh, of some of the wisdoms of this amazing night. Okay. Um Wow, do you guys hear that? Someone's trying to be cool outside with their car. It's really loud. All right, here we go. Let's take our question. Right. Here's a question. Go ahead. So is it true that when the Prophet ﷺ left this earth, earth for Miraj, that time was stopped? Is it true that when the Prophet ﷺ left the earth for Miraj, that time came to an end uh, or to a stop? No, it didn't come to a stop. But it happens in a way that is for us super rational, something that we can't understand. Because the Prophet ﷺ came back, there was a water spilling, and when he came back, it was still spilling out of the bowl. So the and his bed was still warm. So it happened in a manner in which we, we cannot understand. We, as Ahlul Sunnah, we we reject the irrational and we accept the super rational. Irrational is when words and language is contradictory. We say that's not even a thing, but the super rational is possible, and we totally accept it. We believe in these things. Um, what's the book cozy chloe's asking what's the book that we recommend go to meccabooks.org meccabooks one of our great partners go to their bookstore and buy the book uh, on the isra and miraj by sayyid muhammad al-alawi al-maliki it's in english it's translated by jibril haddad i believe his name is so get the book sayyid muhammad alawi al-maliki's book on that so uh, Karim is saying, uh, when it comes to Salah, since the topic of Salah is related to Isra and Mi'raj, that uh, what is the, um, how do we make up our prayers? You make up your prayers by overestimating the amount. You must overestimate. So if I if I don't know when I reach Baluch, let's say I reach the age of maturity, I don't know, maybe, let's say as, as a boy, let's say 12, 13, it's not going to be 12, right? It's going to be 13, 14, or 15, right? So I'm going to base it on 13. Because that will definitely cover, right? So you're going to overestimate. And then you have to do uh, at least minimum of one day. You know, even in the old days, they did five days per day. But there's that's difficult for people. So at least minimum one day per day. So if I miss Salah for seven years, I didn't pray as a Muslim for seven years. So from here onwards, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark my calendar. Let's say Ramadan 1443. Up to Ramadan of 1450, that's seven years. I'm going to pray every Fard prayer twice. 
And you do not pray any nawafid. None of your nawafid count. Unless you need to pray istikhara, for example. You get up for tahajjud. Like because you have a need, salat al-hajjah. Or salat al-eid. And even tarawih, if you fulfilled your obligations for the day. So you must pray. You you pray your fard prayer. You salam out. You get right back up. Don't even think. Get right back up. Call the iqamah again and pray your qada prayer. And you're going to do that for seven years. It's not difficult. It's not difficult at all. You just pray every prayer twice for seven years. And then you're not praying any sunnah, no no effort, okay? Except the, the exceptional ones, such as Salat al-Hajjah, Salat al-Istikhara, uh, in Tahajjud, you need to make Salah, okay? Because there's, but th that's by fatwa. The ruling is that none of those no effort count at all. But by fatwa, they say, no, if you fulfilled your quota for the day, then you could pray certain specific nawafil that have specific benefits, such as, and sunan mu'akkada, such as witr, tarawih, eid, istisqa, rain prayer, if their community is doing that. They did it twice in California in the last decade. Uh, tahajjud, istikhara, etc. What uh, subh. No, I'm going to pray that. Isra says, thank you, Mr. Uh, to the admin for not adding a moving background because she was getting dizzy from a moving background. So that's fine. We don't need a moving background. We can put those, some of those pictures were really nice. What is a physical ascension? Yes, it was a physical ascension as mentioned in the Quran, as Allah says, We have not made the vision that you saw what you saw what happened to you except as a fitna to the people so it would not be a fitna if it was a dream and that's why people apostated there was a tribe of people who just came into islam they left islam so and they, the, the the Quraysh made fun of him if it was a dream there'd be nothing to make fun of ryan question um let's see is it acceptable to make du'a in fard salawat while in sujood? Oh, is it acceptable to make du'a in the obligatory prayers in sujood? Not only acceptable, it's it's highly highly recommended. What else? Where, when else is better? The greatest of du'a is in is before you salam out of the prayer and right after you salam out of the prayer, according to the Prophet That is the greatest time for du'a. After that is in the middle of the night. After that is in the sujood. Of course, you are closest to Allah in the sujood, but the greatest time for prayer and supplicating our, to our Creator is in sujood and before salaming out, after salaming out, and in the middle of the night. The Prophet ﷺ in the Isra and Mi'raj did get to look into paradise and hell and saw the punishment there and the pleasure too. Okay. Uh, did people leave Islam after the Isra and Mi'raj? Yes, the, a, a small group of people that had just just came in. Okay. What books do you suggest reading about an Ash'ari Aqidah? This is sort of not exactly, um, you know, the hum humble thing, but I would say Key to Paradise from Safina Press. Uh, that book is is made to be. To, to, to represent Ash'ari Aqidah in its most simple layman's language without a lot of terminology. But Key to Paradise from Safina Press, and it covers a lot of other things. 
Hey, Ryan, do you ever get to those back orders, by the way? Okay, good. What did the lady in story say after going to Prophet Musa? She continued to pray to Allah with the phrase, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, O most merciful of the merciful. And she refused to stop saying it, non-stop saying it for years, for months, until Allah answered her. And she had the baby. Can you please mention all the nawafil that you prayed in the 50 rakas? Okay, Ryan, maybe you want to type this in if you can type quick. Two before Fajr, two for Duha, four before Dhuhr, four after Dhuhr, four before Asr, six after Maghrib, eight of Tahajr or Qiyam al-Layl plus two Shafa and one Witr. That's 11 at night, whether, whether it's before sleeping or after sleeping. So you could put 11 of Qiyam slash Tahajr, okay? So 11, hey, Yahya, what grade are you in? You have to, you're a senior. All right, add this up then. You should be able to do this math. 11 plus 6, give me the number, 17. 17 plus 17, 34. 34 plus, plus 4, 38. Plus 8, 46 plus 4, it's 50. That's 50. So if we did all of our nawafil, raga'ib, and sunan mu'akkada, okay, then, and our fard, that's 50 rakas. What's the difference? A sunnah mu'akkada is a prayer that has a name to it. Like witr, it has a name. Eid has a name, right? Sunnah mu'akkada, because it has a name. The Prophet named it. Then everything else is called nawafil, but there's one nafila that's superior to everything else. The, the, the prayers the Prophet did that did not have a name, we call those nawafil. But there's one nafila that the Prophet said, he, he specified it. He said it's better than the dunya and what's in it. And that's what we call rak'atay al-fajr, the two rak'ahs of fajr, the sunnah before you pray, salat al-subh or salat al-fajr. Okay, and, the, and that's what we call raghiba. So the sunnah prayers are categorized as three categories, raghiba, uh, sorry, Sunnah Mu'akkada, which is which? One rakah. Nawafil, all the other prayers that are connected to the prayers that have no name. And then Raghiba is in the middle of those two, and that's the two rakahs of Fajr. Is that clear, Ryan? Yeah. Good. We're, uh, all right. What do you think is the biggest lesson we can take from the Isra and Mi'raj? For us personally, always remember that it's humans who get bored of us. Allah never gets bored of us. If he asks us to pray 50 times a day, let's say you're sleeping for eight hours a day. Let's say you're eating, right, for two hours a day. That's 10 hours. So take 10 hours. So, so that gives us 14 hours a day, right? Let's, let's make it a round number because you got to work too. So let's make it 10 hours a day left. There's 10 hours a day left. And there's 50 prayers. How, how would we do that, right? That's one, how many, that's five prayers an hour, right? Or it's two prayers every hour of the day. Allah never gets bored of you. You the one who get bored of praying. There's a hadith that says, Inna Allah, hatta tamillu. Allah never gets bored of you until you get bored. Meaning that Allah has no value for the prayer that's just on your lips and not in your heart. 
So if it comes from your heart, that Allah never gets bored from your, your, your talking to him. Whether it's in salah, whether it's in dua, whether it's like masnoon dua, or simply your munajah to Allah. Munajah is speech to Allah that is not necessarily a prayer. It's praising him or complaining to him or expressing to him to yourself, to him. So this is um, the biggest takeaway, and this is the most important thing that we're going to have here. Most important thing is how much that Allah Ta'ala wanted us to speak to him constantly, that he would give us 50 prayers. Okay. Isra, uh, okay, about the terminology. Isra means the night journey. Mi'raj means the ascension. I mean, all right. Let's take one more before we wrap up for today. Can you make dua in any language? Can you make dua in any language? In Out, salah. Outside of the prayer, of course, you can make dua in any language. Inside of the salah, it is you can make dua in any language. If you speak Arabic and you're capable of expressing yourself, then it's makru to the degree that you're capable of expressing yourself. Let's say I speak Arabic, but I really can't express myself except in English. Possible. So you can make dua in your own language in the Salah. Alrighty, folks. Thank you so much. Someone asked how to donate to Safina Society. How do you donate to Safina Society? Very easily. You go to SafinaSociety.org and we thank you so much for your support and we need support. Allah knows that the soup kitchen, we need to expand it in 2023 to two meals a day, if not more. Okay? So you're going to go to SafinaSociety.org. You're going to look at the website and you're going to see Dawah Center you're going to click on Dawah Center okay when you see Dawah Center there it, you'll be able to give a donation and we need that okay is is it okay though to use Isra to mean ascension in general as night journey requ requires some elaboration yeah it is fine it went Isra and Mi'raj together. The Isra means the night journey, and Mi'raj means the ascension. But if you just say one of them, like today we're going to talk about the Isra, it means both. Or today we're going to talk about the Mi'raj, it means both. So it's like two synonyms where they're when they're used alone, it's understood both. So you could say, What does your name mean? It means ascension. That's not a problem because the Prophet did ascend to go to the night journey, he sent it off the ground. Even though he went horizontally, there was some ascent. But they're close enough in meaning that if you talk to any Muslim and you say, Isra, we're, we're going to talk about the Isra. He's, he means the, the whole thing, right? Or, or the Mi'raj. But when you're speaking in technical language, then the Isra means the night journey and the Mi'raj means the ascension. So that's something where it's called that this, the, the words that are close together, if they're together, they mean two different things. But when they're separate, they're synonymous, they mean the same thing. Thank you all so much. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Shadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilaik wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladhina amanu wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.